Well, welcome back to Chasing Chickens, where we are keeping wellness weird and connecting over how crappy chronic illness really is. If we haven't met yet, I'm Dr. Allison DeBarro-Goggin. I'm a functional medicine physician, and this is my podcast where I get to share my stories and help support you, connect with you, and hopefully inspire you as we go through these stories together. So today I wanted to share my story of illness because this is really the base of this podcast, how I got sick, how my life was destroyed and has changed, and all of the lessons I have learned. And what I think is so interesting is that I... I'm always writing books, and I started one in 2019. Then I got sick, and I after I got sick, I added my story back into it and sent it to my editor, and this is what she said about my story. She goes, I'm not sure if this is a fiction, if it's an autobiography, or what this is, but if it did happen in real life, that is so shameful on the doctor's part, and incredibly unprofessional. And if it's not a true story, then it is a bit too rash to be believable. Why would professional doctors and nurses act like this? So my story is so rash <laughs> and unbelievable, it's, it's crazy. So here's what I've learned. Control over our health is a complete illusion. I used to be under the impression that we had total control over our health for the most part, right? You eat healthy, you exercise, you don't smoke, you take care of yourself, you'll be great. But there's so much that we don't understand about our bodies and our environment, what we're exposed to. You know, healthy people think that they have control and that sick people are lazy and stupid and ignorant or they're just, quote, not doing the right thing and they have to do ice baths or you have to exercise or you have to do 75 hard or name whatever. Well, guess what? They don't know shit. What I did learn is that being sick doesn't make you bad. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean you're lazy. It's not always your fault. Sometimes we make bad decisions. Like if you drink a case of beer every day, and your liver tanks, well, we can't be surprised, right? That was your decision, and we know the consequences of those things. But when I think of what's in our food and our water and our air, we are not in control. We can't prevent what's going into our bodies. Another lesson I learned is that we need the best of both worlds. We need medical and natural. We need traditional and holistic. You can take prescriptions and supplements. Just make sure they don't counteract each other and be safe with that. So we don't have to just pick one side or the other. We can blend everything. And I have a million more lessons, but those are for later podcasts, and we're going to dig into those. The other thing is that my story is not very sexy. So trigger warning, fair warning, it's all about gut health, pooping, blood loss. It's about ulcerative colitis, which is like Crohn's. It's an autoimmune condition. So here we go. In 2016, I started having some of the symptoms of ulcerative colitis, like blood on the toilet paper, gut pain, changes like that. I knew what it was because I'm a functional medicine doc. This is what I do for a living. Um, 
my mom also had the same issues and she was diagnosed with it. I was like, yeah, I'm on point. I'm, I got this. And also we didn't have insurance. So I just treated myself with nutrition, food changes, supplements, acupuncture, all that good stuff. It worked great. Um, and I went to my primary in 2017 to get a referral for my gallbladder because I knew I had stones. It was time for it to come out. I told her about the colitis. I said, Hey, I, I can't afford a colonoscopy. I can't afford to see specialists. Can we treat this and see how I react? And she goes, absolutely not. I'm not helping you. You have to see a GI. She threw a big fit, whatever, fine. So fast forward to December 2019, the gut pain and the bleeding was starting to get unmanageable. So I went back to my primary. Oh my gosh, well, that was a mistake. She ranted and raved. She stomped, she physically stomped around the office, told me I had cancer, was basically yelling at me. And was like, I told you, you had to go get a colonoscopy. You're going to be dead within a few months. You're going to die from cancer. I can't believe you. You get the picture, right? And left the room, told me she called a GI and they were going to call me that afternoon. And I was going to get a colonoscopy tomorrow because I had cancer. And, you know, I just went home and cried. I was like so upset. It's like, there's no reason, one, to treat a patient like that. Two, you have no proof that I have cancer. And so I, wa I waited and I waited. I never got a call from the GI. So I called them. They had no idea who I was or why I was calling. They were so confused. But I finally got into an appointment, saw them, and they're like, no, you don't have cancer. You probably have colitis. You're right, or Crohn's. So let's do a colonoscopy. I'll see you in a month. So I had to wait a month. So... January 2020, show up to the clinic. I had never met the doc who did my colonoscopy. He was two hours behind schedule. So first of all, that's a horrible situation when you show up an hour early for your colonoscopy, and then you have to wait another two hours to even get seen. This guy was a total jerk to me. I was sitting there crying because I was convinced that I had cancer and I was going to die, and he was just the worst. Got in. Came out of surgery. Fun fact, though, my husband said <laughs> that when I came out of the anesthesia and woke up, I sang the entire theme song of the Phineas and Ferb theme. And that's like the greatest joke ever. I don't even remember it, but that was really funny. I was convinced I had to get up and make the kids a snack, and I was singing uh, cartoon theme songs. But, you know, I guess that's the best part of the story. Anyways. So I don't even, you know, you don't even remember these parts, but this guy, a doc came back in. It's like, no, you don't have cancer. You barely even have colitis. I'm like, are you sure I don't have cancer? He's like so mean to me. It's like, no, there's not basically nothing even wrong with you. So he gave me a prescription, told me to get lost. So I take it to the, um, to the pharmacy. It's like $800. But with GoodRx.com, it was only 400 So I was a good patient, and I took my medications. But after that colonoscopy, I only got worse. The bleeding never stopped. It only got worse. The pain only got worse. So I, I did everything I could, but I called that office. I had an appointment with them, and I was like, hey, I'm not getting better. And they told me, too bad, so sad. I said, I'm losing weight. I have a fever. They're like, I don't know what you want me to do for you. And this is why I am convinced that this colonoscopy is what really ruined my 
life. I feel like if I had gone to literally any other GI, I would not have had these issues because every colonoscopy that I've had since, I have not come out and had my life destroyed. There was something that went wrong. There was no perforation, but I feel like this doctor mistreated me during the surgery. He was too rough. He was rushed. He did not care about me. And the fact that when I called his office and said, hey, I'm still very sick and things are really, really bad and literally nobody cared, I asked for more help and they said no, just goes to show that the medical community really needs to get their act together. And this doesn't go for every physician that I've ever talked to, but the lack of caring, the lack of concern, the lack of understanding what a patient is going through, this colonoscopy was my environmental trigger. And this is why, again, I call this podcast Chasing Chickens because I don't know what originally caused my colitis to come forth. We're going to talk about that in future episodes. But I know that this colonoscopy ruined my life and I will never get the chance to go back and fix this. From now on, from that colonoscopy day forward, my life will never be the same. I will never feel the same again. And while I feel like I, you know, I can't prove it, I feel like I can't just go and everyone's like, oh, you need to sue him. You need to like go after this office. I don't feel like that's a necessary step that I need to take because it's a risk, right? And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you shouldn't go get a colonoscopy. But what I will tell you is that you need to meet your doctors before you let them do any type of surgery or work on you. You need to know their team. You need to know what options that they provide. And you need to see how they treat you in the office when you come to them with a complaint. And if you come to them and they treat you like crap, you need to get the fuck out of there before they ruin your life. Okay. So anyways, I went to a new functional medicine doc who was nice, but they tried to sell me their $10,000 package with IVs and saunas and the whole thing. And that's when I tried the rectal ozone and I tried an IV. Um, but I, I was so sick. I passed out during the IV. I literally shit myself because I was so sick. They like carried me unconscious into the bathroom to help me get cleaned up. Someone in besides my husband, one of these doctors or nurses should have looked at me and said, Allison, go to the emergency room. You're dying. Because at that point, I couldn't get out of bed. I was going to the bathroom every two hours. I've had two babies at home naturally. So natural childbirth, we usually rate that 10 out of 10 pain. This colitis pain was worse than that. I told my doc, I'm like, I'd rather give birth to every single baby every single day than have to do this every two hours, 15 out of 10. I started getting fevers. I was like, I was so sick. At this point, I could still walk, but I got, I went to the ER. I finally relented, go to the ER because everyone's like, well, there's nothing we can do for you. The ER admitted me and they're like, yeah, you have colitis. And I had severe sepsis because no one had treated me. And after I had been told them that I had been fevery for a month, 
And this GI that did my colonoscopy, I wouldn't let him do another one because I knew he was going to harm me again. And he berated me. He's like, I don't even know what you want me to do for you. He wouldn't give me a different medication. Like, I'm like, can't we try something else? Can we try anything else? He says, there's nothing other than this one medication. I don't even remember the name of it. And he released me from the hospital. I was like, go home. Good luck. And I was still septic. <laughs> they gave me no treatment. So I went home and I just got worse, of course, right? And I went again, like five days later, back to the same emergency room, but demanded a second opinion. And the head nurse told me, they're like, well, we can't give you a second opinion because that will upset the other doctor. Well, my husband came in and lit hell, and I got that second opinion. Now, I was still septic. <laughs> I was still dying. I was still bleeding. And this guy told me, this other GI, he told me he was going to bankrupt me because I didn't have his insurance that he preferred because I was self-employed and that he was going to make me homeless and put me out on the street because I couldn't afford the medication he wanted. He told me he would, would not treat me because I waited too long to get help, whatever that means. Um, he told me I was stupid because I didn't understand that my phone was a computer and I could just get insurance in the middle of July from the marketplace. He came in the next day. He was like, oh, I guess you have to wait till November. So uh, go get insurance in November and come back. Oh, okay. So he released me from the hospital. Still septic. <laughs> still bleeding. Um, so anyways, I went to a different hospital, um, 10 days after that. At that point, I was going to the bathroom every 45 minutes. Um, I was losing so much blood. I was losing, I lost 35 pounds in three weeks. I weighed about 110 pounds ish. I was still severely septic. Um, my heart rate, my resting heart rate, which your, you Marley know what yours is, usually is around 60 to 75. That's a normal resting heart rate. My resting heart rate was 170. I was in heart failure, but no one ever told me. I was on constant heart monitoring in both, in all three hospital stays um, because my heart was failing because I was so sick, but no one ever told me that part. Um, by the time I had gotten to the third hospital, I could not walk. So I blacked out every time I stood up. So I would run from my bed to the bathroom and be completely blacked out, like no vision by the time I hit the toilet, and then try to get my vision back, stand back up, and run back to bed before I passed out. My husband had to carry me from my bed to the car to go to the emergency room and carry me from the car into the emergency room as well. Um, the pain, I can't even begin to describe. Um, the blood loss was horrible. My period had stopped. I lost my period because my body was shutting down. I hadn't slept in months. I couldn't stop crying, and people are like, well, you just need to calm down. I'm like, uh, you try not sleeping. I needed blood transfusions. Um, in the emergency room, I was stuck 16 times before they would even bring in an ultrasound team who had to try three times because I was so dehydrated and so sick, and they had to retransfer my veins three times while I was there. So... I could get really real here, but on the second week of this stay, um, this is actually something I've never told anybody 
before. Um, I was basically told that because my insurance was shit, I didn't have any options. I'm like, I'll pay. Like, I can't. I still to this day can't believe no one looked at me and said, "Let's just do a temporary ostomy bag, where they take your intestines out, they cut a hole, and you poop into a bag, and you get some gut relief." That's that's pretty traditional. I, I I'm assuming it's because of my insurance, but they're like, "You have no options. We're probably gonna have to send you home." And it was 3 a.m. and I was I was hopeless, just absolutely hopeless. And I was sitting in bed and I was trying to unhook my IV. And I was like, I've, I'm going to have to end my own life. There's no way out of this because I'm going to literally sit here and bleed to death in extreme excruciating pain. And I can't go home and do this in front of my two children and my husband and die in my bathroom. Like, I can't do this. And I was going to, like, walk onto the freeway. So that hospital I was at was right next to the freeway. I don't think anybody would even notice if I had just walked out. Um, and at that point, a team ran into my hospital room. And I'm just sitting there like, what's up, guys? Like, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. And I had to have an emergency EKG because my heart was um, failing because of the stress I was under. Um, Nothing was wrong, of course. My heart was just dying. Um, so what ended up happening is I got quote-unquote lucky. My husband saved my life, and he researched for days, and he found me a grant to get me an immune suppressant that saved us $20,000 of the $40,000 that I had to pay for this in-hospital infusion. But it literally saved my life within like hours of getting this medication. And I was in the hospital for like two or three more days because I the pain was still 15 out of 10. Um, I, I can't even begin to explain the pain that I was in. But, you know, after I left the hospital, I couldn't walk. I had lost 35 pounds of muscle. <laughs> I couldn't go up and down stairs. I lost almost, I say almost all of my hair. My kids are like, it wasn't all your hair. But, I, you know, I had to wear wigs for two years. And then the medication gave me scalp psoriasis, so I still do kind of wear wigs because it's, like, so embarrassing. Um, and I've been doing infusions every six weeks for the past three years. On top of everything else I can do to keep myself okay. So I've had to combine everything I know from the natural world and the medical world. And I hate that I have to take immune suppressants. I hate that I have to take medications, but on the other hand, I'm so freaking grateful that this medication saved my life. And we were able to get the grants and the insurance that kind of cover it for us. And at the same time, I'm still doing everything I can. I, you should see my pantry of all the supplements and everything that I've tried. I'm going to tell you all about these things that you can do and try. And so I've have good days. I have horrible days. I've taken every supplement. I've put things in enemas that you should never do just to see if it would help if I could get better and heal. And I have not given up, but that's not true. I, I have given up many, many times, but I am still here. I have quit. I have told my husband, I'm done. I am not doing this anymore. I just let me die. And then the next day comes, I'm like, all right, shit. What do I have to do? And 
I, that's all I can say about this, right? And I have days where I can't imagine that I could be more sick. And I have days where I feel amazing and I'm like, oh my God, I'm healed. This is it. My, you know, my life is going to go on. I feel amazing. And it just shows us how illness is unpredictable. And you know what? It doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean that I don't know what I'm doing as a doctor. It doesn't make me a bad healer. I'm still learning about who I am and my illness and how this plays into my life. And these are the lessons that I get to learn. And you know what? Later I'll get to tell you how COVID ruined my life and brought on more chronic illnesses. You know, like how exciting. And looking back at those lessons, I have to remind myself every day that I can only control so much. I can control what I eat and drink. I can take my supplements. I can get as much sleep as I can. I can make sure to take my meds when I need them. And I'm keeping the faith that everything will be okay, that there's always a solution. Someone's out there to support me. And I hope you do the same for yourself as my dogs are barking. I apologize. And I'll tell you another lesson I learned is that I've worked with a lot of doctors and in all the world. And whenever somebody says, I don't know what else you want me to do for you. There's nothing else I can do for you. I've done everything I can do for you. You say, okay, thank you. And you fire them. You don't have to tell them that you're firing them. You just cancel all your appointments. (laughs) And you go find somebody else. You go ask somebody else for help. You go get different testing done. Don't give up. Keep asking for help. Keep getting recommendations. There's always, there's always something, but it takes time. And it's, I'm coming up on three years, and I'm still learning, and I have to change medication starting tomorrow, and I'm absolutely terrified, but we're going to see how it goes. I'm still keeping the faith. I'm still trying, and I, I hope that you continue to do the same for yourself. Don't give up. So thank you for listening to my part of my story. Um, Thank you for connecting today. Follow me on socials, connect there too, and we'll see you next time.